podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's sprint race qualifying time and Lewis Hamilton goes from 20th to 5th in the sprint race qualifying. Sky F1's post-race stage is overwhelmed by lots of shouting and happy birthday singing and Daniel Ricciardo didn't have a great start, did he? G'day there, my name is James Baldwin and welcome to Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we are pre-drinking ahead of the Brazilian Grand Prix. And I'm joined, as always, by my friends and yours. It's Tommy T. G'day, mate. G'day. How you doing? I'm doing very well. And someone who was unusually found out to have a foam roller in his house. It's Candy. Yes. G'day, mate. Gentlemen, how are you? It's very good. Thank you. Yep. Feeling limber. Uh, <laughs> supple and loose. From yeah, limber and loose. Before. Ready? Are yeah. you ready? Doesn't sit Got a pre-roll there like before the podcast. Jeez, like. Doesn't sit there like an ornament. <laughs> 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 Begins. Campy's, uh, Campy's saying begins, uh, if you'd like to uh, volunteer to put together a book of Campy's sayings for the end of the year, oh, we please. might even publish a Lakeside Drive book for 2022 of Campy's ridiculousness. Um, would be bestseller probably. Don't, pull, uh, don't poke the bear this morning, boys. I'm a bit grumpy. I uh, haven't slept yet. I watched three games of rugby last night until the results didn't go my way and I'm then- – to watch a sprint race at seven in the morning, I was like, geez, have fun, get your shit together. What an <laughs> absolute nightmare of a concept these weekends are. So that's I've made up my mind on these uh, alternative weekends. They are absolutely rubbish. Get rid of them. <laughs> um, can we, Straight in. Uh, oh, Tommy T, uh, let's ask you first. Are you a breakfast and Formula One kind of guy? Are you happy to do both? Or would you prefer it to be in the evening and having dinner in Formula One? Oh, I don't mind breakfast in Formula One. I think the problem is on Mondays, I just start work early, so I can't capitalize on it fully. I think if I was anyone else with a nine to five, <laughs> best way to go. Yeah, Big fan. Good. Okay. Campy, what about you? Are you a breakfast or a dinner per, or even lunch, I suppose? What kind of food would you be having with Formula One <laughs> ideally? Uh, a couple of croissants or something. A <laughs> couple of croissants. <laughs> Yeah, Hates on the you. French, comes out and says, bam, this is the breakfast that I want. Nah, this is about the only thing the French have done all right. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's starting uh, off well. Classic. Uh, look, this uh, this weekend, though, is no good for Monday morning race watching 4 o'clock in the east. Uh, it's even worse time in the west. Uh, I did say last weekend that at least the eastern suburbs of the Australian countryside had a better time watching a 6 a.m. race. Uh, it's no good. I don't understand why. We've we've decided to go from Mexico to Brazil and back further again. Uh, <laughs> but it is what it is. We uh, obviously love the sport too. Much. Look, am I going to be watching it live? Probably not. I'll be watching it at probably 6, 6.30 ahead of work uh, like the rest, probably the rest of the country. But, hey, look, massive shout-out to you if you are uh, watching this YouTube live stream. Thank you to all 607 of you who have subscribed so far to the channel Really appreciate it. Uh, we're loving doing this, of course. Uh, and here's a question for you. Who would you like us to interview? Uh, if we can interview anyone, except for obviously Daniel Ricardo, it's probably a little bit hard to do over the Christmas break. But if you want us to interview anyone, who would it be? Let us know in the comments or, or send through, I don't know, an email to hello at lakesidedrive.com.au. We will probably get back to you. But uh, be interesting <laughs> to see who we would like to talk to. 
Uh, let's let's start with a little bit of news, shall we? Ahead of talking about practice, which I didn't watch. Um, there's an Alfa Romeo dealership in China that has put up big posters along their windows uh, advertising Guan Yu Zhou as the first Chinese F1 driver. Is this the worst kept F1 secret since George Russell going to Mercedes, Tommy T? Do you think this is just a bit of a, a laugh or do you think this is just legit and gone too early? I think this would be like if Campy bought out a Ford dealership in Dramana, he'd just start saying Daniel Ricciardo was the driver of the Ford. <laughs> <laughs> You've just got some gung-ho guy who's going, you know what, I'm just going to go early and be right. <laughs> He's just jumped the gun. Bit He's of just committing. marketing right there. Exactly. I don't think this is any confirmation. I do think it will happen, but I don't think we can go off this this lunatic who's just done what he wants with his own dealership. <laughs> it did make me laugh, though, that that was, yeah. that was it. And it was uh, – and but, of course – Campy, and I don't even know if you know the existence of Reddit, but Reddit found it and uh, it's gone through Twitter and Instagram and everything else like wildfire. What do you think about that? Do you think this is a done deal and we're just waiting for an announcement? Yeah, I think it's a real shame for our sport. I think it's probably a done deal and $35 million, I mean, or whatever he's bringing to the sport. Money walks, bullshit talks. So it's a real shame. It's a bit of a spot. It's a bad look for our sport. I mean, what's that guy done this year? He said one good race in Baku. Other than that, He's been absolutely rubbish in comparison to uh, our boy. Uh, what's his name? Oscar Piastri. <laughs> so sorry. You are very tired, aren't you? Yeah, man? I'm it's having a day. Well. No, he's done absolutely nothing. You see, Oscar's had a stellar year. And the other guys, say our poor chair as well, who's had a, mm-hmm. has had a ripping year. Actually, Sauber so, Jr. Yeah, so look, it's a bit of a shame for us uh, fans of the sport. Uh, to see another paid driver get in because we just don't need them really. Um, if you get into F1 to get some paid drivers, then what's the point in even getting into F1? It's uh, You're not going to get a return on your investment. And uh, anyway, good for China. They've just declared that, you know, their extension for the contract for the race has been to 2025 too. So spewing, we have to put up with four years of a Chinese Grand Prix, which is possibly the worst track in the world. Um, just produces the worst races ever. So, look. tee off, mate. Go for it. Oh, mate. Let me we, let me salvage no, this conversation look, look, slightly. Sorry, <laughs> into a more positive sense, Campy. Um, all I say on F1 is I get in there and we go to quality and all this idealistic stuff come in. Then we go to do a do a, do, a, do business with a place like China. I mean, give me a break. Seriously. Market. There it is. Uh, oh. <laughs> it is absolutely ridiculous and uh, the hypocrisy at the top levels. Jim, when you go over there and uh, meet your crew, I hope you meet a few from F1 and give them a bit of my opinion. That'd be great. Thanks. Cheers. Yes. No, thank you. I'd like a job. Uh, <laughs> what I would do in a positive sense, talking about the Formula 2 series, is that our boy, Callan Williams, who's from Perth, uh, has been confirmed to do some testing in Trident's Formula 2 car uh, ahead of next year. Of course, he will be wanting to have a good crack at uh, getting an F2 seat for next year, of course. Uh, so will Jack doing What's he doing? Very well, honestly. Um, so yep. it's good news uh, for F2. Hopefully to see both Callan and to see Jack into F2 if Oscar departs. Uh, but what does that mean for the longer term, I hear you say? Well, then 
means that 2023 presents potentially three Australian junior drivers with enough super license points to jump into Formula One. Could it be that at some point between 23 to maybe 25, 26, that we have four Australian drivers on the grid? Probably not. <sighs> no, but I'm just going to say it. It would <laughs> uh, it would be very, very good a lot. Uh, and then suddenly everybody would be like, oh, bloody Australian bias. We're sick of Australians yeah, talking about Australian drivers. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened very quickly. Uh, I didn't watch practice at all. Was there even practice this weekend? Tommy T, did you watch Doesn't practice? Exist. No, I didn't no. Happen. Campy, did you watch practice? No. I did, yeah. Oh, okay. Go, was what? there anything exciting that happened in practice? Uh, McLaren were rubbish on uh, Friday. <laughs> Uh, that was somewhat rubbish in qualifying. I was going to say, pull it out. A uh, couple of spins, nothing major. We were sort of expecting rain. I mean, it was pretty overcast on Friday. I didn't see last night uh, the free practice session too, although I think Alonso topped the timesheets, but they were running all 112s and 113s, which is sort of, you know, five seconds off the pace. So it's a nothing session. Um yeah, look, nothing much to report, really. Well, let's talk Other about... Other than the, uh, the DRS issue that we had with uh, well, Lewis Hamilton. That's qualifying. Let's talk about qualifying uh, ahead well, of qualifying the sprint or was race. It, no, what, yeah, was it called? Sprint, damn, the Speed King Award time um, <laughs> is what it was. Uh, <laughs> Bloody hell. Let's, let's talk about that before we talk about the sprint qualifying race session. Uh, look, Lewis was mega. It has to be said. Oh. New power unit. Um, bits at least five place grid penalty for him. Uh, he had to take it here, Tommy T, didn't he? Before yep. we get into the rest of the season, especially with tracks like Qatar and uh, Jeddah, which we just don't know what Formula One cars are going to be like around there. Jeddah oh. is supposed to be the fastest Formula One circuit, um, which is a stat w- which would be good if the track existed yet, which yeah. it still doesn't. Where are they pulling that from? <laughs> Something to do with simulation. My but- backyard's the fastest track, but no one will know. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Claimed it. There you uh, go. But anyway, so we obviously know that, McCla- that Mercedes rather need that power advantage. Uh, Campy, some interesting comments from Christian Horner over the qualifying period, or just after qualifying, he said that the power unit life of a Honda loses about a tenth of a second from brand new to dead in the water. And the Mercedes power unit, he didn't give anything away, but it seems to be a lot greater than that. Does that surprise you at all in terms of how we're looking at things? Or have Honda just made such leaps and bounds in the last couple of years that Mercedes now, of course, with the budget regulations for this year, are just really suffering from these reliability issues in comparison? Look, I think there's probably a bit of truth to one-tenth from like from the start to the end of the engine life. That's crap. Like, they're going to drop off more than that. That is normal. <laughs> I think that's a bit of a PR spin by, um, by Christian Horner there. But I think there's probably a bit of truth in the sense that the drop-off is worse in the Mercedes than what it is in the Honda, and we've probably seen that throughout the year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it depends. What, we're getting, what, I think it's about five five full race weekends under race con- and a full race uh, per engine unit. So, look, one-tenth, no, that's, that's just utter bollocks. <laughs> Someone's – they've lost one-tenth – in a controlled environment, when they're testing the uh, testing the engines on dynos and reproducing lap by lap what the uh, what the engines go through in a in a testing environment, it's not like that. 
the reality is when you get on track, it's not like that. So, All right, Tommy T, is there any, any truth, do you think, yeah. to Karen's I mean, statement? Whatever he's saying, regardless, the Honda loses way less than that Mercedes, which is the main point. Yeah. Um, so what they're having to deal with, and that's why they're trying not to lose an engine for as long as they can, but then they've got mm-hmm. to toss up, well, what's the point of having an engine that's functional but has degraded so far that we can't quali- out-qualify Red Bull in these last three tracks after Brazil where we, we, we assume that overtaking is going to be hard. So that's where qualifying is going to be key. You're going to need a power unit that can handle that. So I think that's why they've gone Brazil, which makes so much sense to me because this is going to be, of the last four races, this is going to be the one where overtaking is possible as mm. we saw today. Yeah. Well, it's, it is good time. Look, a lot of people, as a result of this massive power increase, have gone, oh, Hamilton's cheating. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm glad for it because I don't want the championship to be decided this weekend. I want the championship to be decided in Abu Dhabi in the last lap. That's And if it means that Hamilton and Mercedes need to have a slight advantage over the next two races and Max comes in and wins Abu Dhabi and that suddenly clinches a championship, then I'm here for that because I want all the way to the end. This is a season that is is very thrilling, to be honest, uh, and engaging. Let's keep it all the way through to the end. Um, let's talk about, though, this DRS issue. Uh, Campy, you might be able to explain a little bit more of a technical area, but let me just put my tinfoil hat on for a second. <laughs> Do you think there was a bonus announced, uh, or at least Max said, that Red Bull would pay him a bonus if he won sprint qualifying? Um, I wonder if the, the bonus was 50,000 euros, uh, which would exactly cover yeah. the cost of him having a play around with that Mercedes rear Ooh. wing and the DRS area. Uh, Campy, you can call me Alex Jones, but what do you think of that <laughs> significant um, play? Because he wasn't backwards about coming forwards about it. He just jumped straight out of that car, had a look at his own rear wing, and went over there. Do you think there was any premeditation to that in terms of conversation or he just think that's it, he's had enough, he's going to have a look at what's going on? Oh, look, it's obviously been a conversation that's been uh- – been had behind closed doors at Red Bull for a while. Um, they obviously decided that they were going to put a protest in or something to get the stewards uh, check it after qualifying. Um, I think they're biding their time a bit. But for Max to get out and touch the car like that suggests to me that there's total communication behind uh, behind closed doors. But the actual the actual infraction is not that there was a difference in uh, the wing as it's set. Sat was perfectly fine. Um, in the closed position, it's got to be within 10 to 15 mil gap, and in the open position, it can be no more than 85 millimeters at a pressure of 85 newtons. Um, now they've got a little device that they slide in, and it basically it's calibrated at you know 10 newtons, so that if the device goes in and sits there perfectly fine, then it's illegal. So it worked. They couldn't do it on the middle of the structure, but they uh, the device plugged in on the outside of the structure, which tells me there could be some wear and tear. Mm. Um, but there just seems to be something not right going on because Max to get out and touch it like that, it just seems a bit ridiculous. I don't think he broke anything or did anything, mm. but it could just be a part that's been used for a long time. And, uh, I mean, we're talking about to the naked eye. No one would ever pick that. You know, it was perfectly fine. It's just that there's a bit of wiggle room and play in the flexiness of the part, which I just, I mean, we've seen flexi rings and we've had this conversation about movable and flexi parts on F1 cars for years. So uh, a bit of a shame for Lewis, but I mean, 
If you want to read the rules by the book, there you go. I think the biggest issue, and Mercedes will go to absolute town on trying to rectify it because Max touched the car. So, anyway. Mm. So, Tommy T, I mean, Toto came out and said it's not, you know, we're not doing it on purpose. It's potentially just a failure of the part after, you know, lots of usage. Yeah. do you think I, – I personally don't think Mercedes are dumb enough to be doing anything outside of the rules no. this end of the season. Uh, I am inclined to believe him. That's probably going to cause some people frustration. Go, no, that bloody cheated. Hamilton <laughs> cheated, right? Okay, Max is the best. <laughs> I don't care, all right? Yeah. Get your own podcast. But yeah. <laughs> from, from that sense, though, I, I agree. And um, but, but it's interesting as we – and Campy just mentioned there, you look back – uh, to halfway through the season, which feels like an age ago, uh, to Red Bull's rear wings and them having yep. the test and Mercedes doing the same thing. And then uh, Christian Horner came out after sprint qualifying and said, yeah, well, you know, there's just not something quite right about that Mercedes rear wing and hasn't been all year. Uh, he was very serious. He wasn't as, um, you know, aggressive as he normally is in a Sky F1 interview. Could there potentially no. be something more to come, do you think, from Red Bull in a form of a protest? Well, we've seen this. It's been quiet recently, hasn't it? But earlier in the season, we saw back and forward. We saw, uh, was it Mercedes complaining about pit stops? And now we've had to add this extra measure into pit stopping because Red Bull were too quick. So each of them are looking for ways to slow each other down or pull them back into regulation if they've got away with something. So I think this is just another version of that. I tend to agree. Otherwise, why wouldn't they have done it to Bottas's car as well where they don't really care about his driver <laughs> championship? He's out categorically now. He can't oh, win it Patrick. mathematically. Mm. So why would they not have done it for his car and risked it for both for the championship points for the team, which is the end goal? It, it doesn't make sense to have just done it on Lewis's car alone. Um, so that's why I tend to believe that it is just one of those wear and tear things. Something may be put together wrong, which was mentioned in the uh, the FIA uh, like press release. Maybe it was something, yeah, put together wrong, something in the wrong order, things like that. Because like Camby said, when it's stationary, it's fine. It's under tolerance uh, when it is dealing with it. So it's obviously a very minute change. Somehow it's opening wider under tolerance, which – it shouldn't do. It doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Man, we're literally talking about a washer could be in the wrong place. That's, that's yeah, exactly right. Effect. Yep. And it's so. interesting It's interesting because, and I'm not sure necessarily if Mercedes were affected by this, but uh, there was a delay from Mexico to Brazil of all of the stuff arriving uh, and the FIA had to basically say to the teams, all right, well, in the normal curfew of whatever it is, 9 or 10 o'clock is lifted basically do what you want to be able to get your cars ready in time. Um, so I suppose, it's, as Crofty said, it's the equivalent of losing your luggage. And I lost my luggage Shut here and it took Crofty. three days for a trot. No one cares. Uh, which could potentially have added something, some stress to this. Don't forget, you know, we're in the middle of a triple header mm-hmm. here. Uh, it's Ugh. it's a lot of work for these guys and girls. So anyway, look, it's interesting. It just throws more jeopardy. It's more... Headline grabbing activity, but by both Mercedes and by Red Bull. Let's talk a little bit further down the grid, though. Uh, Let's talk about McLaren because we we should. Daniel Ricciardo didn't out qualify Lando Norris. Um, He started uh, behind him. It was half a tenth. Yeah, he started behind him in eighth. So, really, with the conversations that we've been having around, you know, is DR the number one driver for McLaren yet? Well, look, who really knows? Uh, it's just good that they're both within that sort of time frame now. We're not, you know, yeah. seeing a significant difference. Uh, totally. And look, fair play to, to Lando. 
uh, for both qualifying and for the sprint qualifying, he had a decent time out. As <laughs> Campy rolls his eyes. Whatever that means. Uh, yeah. yeah. Danny but- Rick just got caught in no man's land into turn one and just he's breaking at ghosts, unfortunately. He was breaking for things that weren't even there. So. <laughs> well, as a result of Mexico, I'm not it's surprised. Two we- it's two weekends in a row. I mean, geez, it's tough to watch, isn't it? Let's talk about qualifying before we talk about sprint, though. Uh, Ferrari's pace, I want to talk a little bit about because they're now on track, in my mind, to continue their dominance of McLaren to take that third position, especially if you look at the power unit difference. Uh, in the tracks to come. Uh, but for qualifying ahead of sprint, we had Leclerc in sixth and Sainz in fifth. Uh, Carlos Sainz really Carlos. loves this track, doesn't he? Tommy T, yeah. um, from a qualifying point of view, are you starting to sort of become a little bit more natural or normal seeing Ferrari this far up the grid? Yeah. The last couple of races, they've been way more competitive. I think since we've seen the McLarens both take an engine penalty They've probably slipped back, whereas when we've seen the Ferraris take their engine penalties and get new engines, they've lifted. I think that improvement we've seen since Russia, I think it was, when Leclerc or someone took theirs. But, yeah, they've they've both been outstanding. I think they're really loving that car, unfortunately, whereas the McLaren guys are still dealing with some little niggles and stuff, trying to figure out how to best utilize it, whereas they're really comfortable with that Ferrari, I think, right now. So, Sainz is, is giving Leclerc the business at the moment mm-hmm. as well, which we love. Mm-hmm. Very excited about that. I, I think we could see a repeat of the Monza this weekend, but with Ferrari. I think if uh, Sainz can get out the front off the start, he'd be a very capable winner over race distance, I think. Campy, does it go to sort of play to Ferrari's hands a little bit, though, that McLaren had to use those development tokens early on in the season for that new Mercedes power unit and Ferrari yep. are able to bring a little yeah. bit more later on? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So, All right. Well, did we Ferrari get like it? an extra 20 tokens or something because they're Ferrari? Isn't that how it works? <laughs> Ferrari. <should laughs> they just, they just go back to the machine and getting whatever yeah, they yeah, want. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you look at Matea Bernardo and go, this is a trustworthy kind of guy? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely uh, not. <laughs> two more points about qualifying before we talk about sprint. Uh, the first is that Mazepin was very emotional oh, in his mate. chat with Lawrence Barreto. Uh, over a, a missed line into six, I think, or seven, um, and it wasn't so good. And he was visibly emotional, uh, yeah. almost in tears. I, I know we've given Mazepin a, a hard run all year. It's the first time we've seen real emotion. Um, do you think he was sad about that or sad about the fact that he got kicked out of a Red Bull party after Mexico? <laughs> Both. Tommy T? Okay. Um, I think genuinely he thought he could out-qualify his teammate for the first time legitimately. Uh, and he had like it was mentioned from his uh, engineer that he hasn't uh, done any sim here, he hasn't raced here before, and for him to be that good so quickly, he should be very impressed and very proud of himself. But he was just pissed off that he he couldn't get it done, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, we actually get to see something from Mazepin. Like yep. I think that's no, that's probably less of his fault and more of the coverage that we just don't get to see anything from him. But that was a real human kind of moment and we actually start to understand how important it is to him. He's not just a rich kid who's doing this because he wants to live the playboy lifestyle. It's because he actually cares and he wants to do well. And we do have to remember he was very quick in F2 with same machinery in a very good team with very good setups, but he is a good driver. We just haven't managed to see it this year in a car that hasn't been improved in the worst team on the grid and the, yeah, whatever Campy would say there. (laughs) 
<laughs> worst Groot on the team. Worst Groot on the team. Worst Groot on the team. But I think Ooh. he thought this was the one. He he thought he could get Russell, to be honest, as well. He thought he could beat a Williams yep. in qualifying. And that's probably why he's so, so down. Campy, do you think it's it's a little bit harsh of everyone to have a constant go at him? We even had nope. Brundle and <laughs> finish Some people question. just rub people up the wrong way. And, like, you get criticised for it. So suck it up. Like, move on. If that's the hat that you put on and you didn't get into the sport the with, a good, with a great start, <laughs> well, toughen up. It's like human nature. You can't fix that stuff. If you're an idiot, people are going to call you out. In saying that, I don't want to see the guy that emotional. I don't, I, I don't think that's that's not what we want to watch. So... Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, the other thing <laughs> to note is that uh, our favourite Canadian out-qualified uh, George Russell um, yeah. properly, properly properly out-qualified on yep. pace. Good for him. Uh, it's, it's good news for him, Tommy T, in terms of what that means for next year and, of course, Albon coming in. It's going to be a good measure for Nick Latifi, I think, in terms of how yeah. he stacks up against sure. Albon. But... We have to remember, and we said this, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago, that we've been very impressed with his progress and how consistent yep. he's been. It's a good showing from him. Uh, Definitely. It, is, it, is it to say that he has now got the rhythm of the car and finding a good place going ahead for, for next year but also for the rest of this year maybe? I suppose devil's advocate would go, George has moved on, the team's moved on and are focusing on Latifi. But I think that's disingenuous to how well he's been doing this year. I think he has actually demanded more attention from the team. He is performing well and getting his engineers on side to help. Uh, he, he has been performing that well. He's been unlucky in a lot of these qualifyings with George still pipping him at the end through timing, through him going out first or traffic and situations like that. So I think this is long overdue actually. Uh, to be honest, him out qualifying George, uh, but I think it does. Like you, like you, we've mentioned multiple times, this is going to be really interesting to see him versus Albon, who has been in a much more impressive car and much more impressive teammates. How 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 well they go against each other? Yeah, well, it's it's good news, Campy. I'm not sure if you're still physically with us. Your uh, your cameras disappeared again. Um, in terms of in terms of Latifi, though, mate, and and George Russell, I was just saying to Tommy T that it looks like there's some real progress being made. Do you think it's oh, absolutely? Do you think it's Latifi's progress, or do you think there's issues for George Russell? No, I think it's Latifi's um, improvement all year. We've seen him. We've we've seen him like at times be quicker than George, and then George has come out and, you know, put a stonking lap together. We've, I mean, but if you look at the last, particularly last seven or eight races, he's been right there or thereabouts, and it hasn't been the three and a half, four tenths that we've seen at times. We've actually, it's actually been, you know, legitimately a tenth, half a tenth here and there. So, I mean, that guy's developed really well this season. Moving into next year, they'll be very happy with uh, Latifi and the, and the driver that he is. I mean, George has pushed him. Uh, let's just hope Albon can push him next year. But uh, no, I think look, George has uh, George has had a killer qualifying record up until now. Um, to come out and say it was his worst qualifying ever just because he got beaten by his teammate, <laughs> I, I think that's a bit disrespectful to Latifi and actually mm. how much he's come on in the yeah. second half, particularly in his last seven eight races. So um, you know, next year in that car, third year, you'd be looking at him to make some headlines outside of George Russell, and that's what we want to see from the guy. I'm going to go through what the qualifying positions were, lads, and then I want to talk about Valtteri Bottas before we talk about the um, sprint 
quality results. Uh, so the starting grid for the sprint race, which was qualifying on Friday, was uh, Verstappen, Bottas, Perez, Gasly, Sainz, Leclerc, Norris, Ricardo, Alonso, Ocon, Vettel, Sonoda, Raikkonen, Giovinazzi, Stroll, Latifi, Russell, Mick Schumacher, Mazepin, and a disqualified Lewis Hamilton, as we discussed earlier, re that rear wing. Uh, it was a interesting mix of the grid. Good to see Bottas, of course, up towards the front. Now, I just want to step sideways before we talk more about the racing. Uh, I'm not sure if you lads have listened to Beyond the Grid read F1's official podcast this week. Um, they spoke to, uh, or Tom spoke to Valtteri Bottas. And in that episode, he confirmed that he had two options uh, for next year. And one was Mercedes power unit in that of the Williams. And the other was the Alfa Romeo, of course, the Ferrari power unit. One of the questions that Tom put to Valtteri, which I thought was very interesting, was do you think this then, Valtteri, is a path to you being in red overalls at some point in the future, which is not something that I had actually mm. thought of, thought of. Uh, but it's an interesting point. Uh, Tommy T, let's start with you. In terms of where you think Valtteri is, obviously, and we know the result of the sprint, don't we? But obviously the monkey's off the back. We've said that a few times. Um, sorry, let me say this as well before I ask the question. He also said he really suffered at Mercedes in retrospect from having year-to-year-to-year contracts, and uh, Toto said it was good for him to be under pressure. He disagrees now in retrospect uh, Mm. because he always felt like he never had enough time to get to grips with the car. Um, Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. So now that he's certain of his future in a multi-year deal for Alfa Romeo, Sauber, he's obviously performing a lot better. So it shows that Mm. VB performs with a little bit of, you know, backing behind him. Yeah, I think just that feeling of being comfortable is probably what he's looking forward to. Um, He's probably felt like somewhat of a stranger. Like we've seen that meme of him alone drinking a beer after a win in his trailer. Like that's kind of, unfortunately, I reckon that's what it feels like to be at Mercedes with Lewis Hamilton there. Not to, that's that's not Lewis's fault in any way. He is unbelievable and seven-time world champion. He is one of the best we'll ever see. But it can't be easy to be that teammate, can it? Um, and I think that's just a hard place to go. He's had wins. He's had many poles. He's had all these kind of things that go along with being the teammate of a, a championship-winning car. But he hasn't really had that kind of support that he's needed the whole time to have his own campaign towards winning a championship. It's always been focused around Lewis. So I think him just moving to a place like we mentioned last week, I think he's going to be the focus of that team. He is going Mm -hmm. to be without kind of expectations because that team is where it is Uh, and hopefully he can show some stuff. And yeah, I I literally hadn't crossed my mind, but that is such a good point that maybe that is the avenue towards another top team is taking some time out in Alpha, performing really well like he did back in his junior when he came up as a junior into Williams Mm -hmm. and he was – dominating in that team with no pressure. So who knows? I don't think it's the pressure that gets him. I think it's the fact that the focus was never about him and he almost just wasn't allowed to be the hero of that team when you've got Lewis Hamilton there. Campy, he mentioned a few things, the reason why he chose Alfa Romeo over Williams. One of them was a completely clean start, clean break without that Mercedes power unit link at all. Um, He also mentioned, of course, and this is absolutely correct, that uh, Sauber have a great wind tunnel facility. They have great engineers and they have a great, or they have a good simulator that could be better. And he's even said in the podcast, but I can help with that. Uh, You can really tell. And again, if you haven't listened to this podcast, please go and do so. But you can really tell when he's talking about um, Sauber and also Sidebar, 
coffee, Tommy T. Have you seen Valtteri <laughs> Selma this weekend? It's, it's got yeah, coffee all over it. Uh, that he's he seems more focused and he seems happier. We know that people like Seb Vettel, Campy in the past have said about their Aston Martin thing, oh, well, you know, there's a future in the team, so I will help pull it together. But this will be the first time properly that Valtteri has had that opportunity. What do you think that means for Sauber or Alfa Romeo for the next couple of years? And what do you think it means for whoever ends up next to him in a junior driver sense? Oh, I think for Guan Yu Zhou, it's going to be an absolute smack in the face about how unqualified he is to be in this sport coming up against Valtteri Bottas. I think we're going to see half a tenth, half a second to seven tenths every qualifying session and race pace absolutely nowhere near where it should be. I think for a guy like Valtteri, I think some people respond to a bit of tough love sometimes and no no pat on the back, thank you, we appreciate it. But I think Valtteri's the kind of guy that probably sits there and goes, you know what, I just want to be valued. I want to feel like mm. I'm valued at times. Um, I mean, Toto's not the most warm guy like that at times. Um, you know, very methodical and very straight down the line the way he sees it. But um, I don't think Mercedes have shown him any loyalty at all. I mean, he's had a one-year contract every time he's mm-hmm. got an extension, which means you're under pressure for your job. And for a guy like Valtteri, he just needs to feel a bit, a bit of love and a bit of respect. In saying that, I think, you know, I mean, it must be hard to race in a team alongside Lewis Hamilton. Um, they clearly made decisions after the Rosberg era. They were not going to get a driver that was comparable to Lewis on that level week in, week out because we saw that the dramas that it caused within the team. Valtteri is probably the perfect fit for him. But no need to give him that three-year contract when you get into a top drive. Um, like everyone else that gets into a Red Bull or a Ferrari, they're like, oh, we're going to show you some love. You've now made the pinnacle of the sport and you deserve the three or four years. I don't think Mercedes honoured him at all in that respect. Uh, we've seen yep. glimpses of what he can do. Uh, but, I mean, since he signed that deal with uh, Alfa Romeo, we've seen what, he, what he's capable of when that pressure's off him. Um, in the background, uh, I just think there's probably some culture issues inside Mercedes and the way that they, you know, bend over backwards for Lewis Hamilton, which I understand at times as well. But, yeah, I think moving forward it's going to be tough for him. So. Yeah, I love what you said there about, you know, feeling valued. Uh, and it's interesting because we've all said that Toto has, you know, shown the best team principle attitude and everything else going forward. But really now listening to someone who has nothing to lose, literally nothing to lose now, no Mercedes links, uh, leaving the team, going to Ferrari power unit area, um, to be able to be so open and honest while still racing for them <laughs> uh, is yep. an interesting time. And it's it's good. And I think it's cathartic, obviously, for, for Valtteri as well. Um, and obviously we love him because he's an adopted Australian with his yep. partner in Tiffany. Okay, let's start talking then about the sprint qualifying race session time thing that happened. <laughs> um, my whole favourite part was Seb Vettel pulling up at the very yep. end and telling his engineer that he was going to jump out and touch Hamilton's rear wing, his engineer coming back saying, <laughs> please don't do that, it's very expensive. He's like, nah, just joking. I'm going to go to the front wing. That's probably just 25 grand. Um, love Seb. Him here for the Seb. content for Seb Vettel. Uh, but he performed pretty well considering. Um, okay, let's talk about what actually happened though because uh, soft tyres was an interesting choice for Valtteri Bottas right at the very beginning. Pretty much everyone else around him had those mediums. Tommy T, uh, the Max Verstappen apparently suffered some gear sync issues mm. getting off the start. You could see, as Martin Brundle said, the second phase of his start, effectively second gear, third gear, 
Uh, he just was nowhere near the pace that Valtteri Bottas had. Yep. Um, and off VB went. He did a great job to manage those tyres all the way to the end. Yep. Uh, and, of course, talking about how he's performing this year, this just goes to show, I think, some you know more unhinged driving. We've said it time and time again, him, 2019 Australia, that yep. drive, and he's even oh. said that's his probably second best performance. Uh, that drive, incredible from him. But how he managed to hold that start and, of course, with Max Verstappen's issues just goes to show that the cars, you know, the fast car kind of mentality around who's quickest overall isn't necessarily the case for yep. this year, isn't it? No. No, I think you can't, you can't fault VB start. He na- absolutely nailed it. He wasn't even questioned going into turn one. He was well through. There was um, almost no chance Max had to come back from that after that. Yeah, like you said, second phase. But And then, yeah, to manage those tyres, like he even said to his to the team afterwards, he's like, good call on the strategy, like going the softs. He knew he was going to have better traction than Max, probably not that good, I don't think. Um, uh, but, yeah, managed to make it work. He's like, that was the correct tyre choice. Great work. They hung on just as not, as much as they needed to. Um, and, yeah, on such a short lap, like getting ahead, it was so key. Um, yeah, absolutely nailed it. Love to see it from VB. Hopefully we can see more of it from Alpha next year. What are your thoughts on VB's start, Campy? Mega. Just what we expected of him at the start of the year, really. Uh, yep, he's doing everything right in the last since he's signed that contract, so... Let's talk further down the grid because Carlos Sainz was like, hello there, and mm-hmm. uh, entered the chat hardcore against uh, Perez and Verstappen. Uh, great to see. We uh, yeah. we mentioned just before, of course, with uh, Charles Leclerc and Sainz in terms of this pace difference. Leclerc finishing in seventh, though. Sainz in third. Uh, it was... I mean, he obviously loves this track. It's McLaren's first podium for a while was him post-race. And, geez, let's see if Martin Brundle or David Croft can point out where Alex Albon was taken out one more time every bloody lap. <laughs> they love doing that. But for him, Campy, for Carlos Sainz, for Ferrari, again, on soft tyres, he said for most of the impact, in fact, from halfway through, there was a couple of radio messages saying, my tyres are going, my tyres are going. But he managed to hold off Perez very, very well indeed. Do you think now he's fully in tune with this Ferrari? Campy? Lost him. Tommy T, do you think he's fully fully in tuned? <laughs> yes, I do. I think he's so comfortable with that car. Um, yeah, we, we thought early on he was probably one of the best drivers, wasn't he, to adapt to his new team uh, coming from that McLaren, which we realise now is quite difficult to drive, so it was probably really nice to get into that Ferrari, which is somewhat more straightforward. But to be honest, like, there's no lead driver in that team, as we can see, but I think Sainz is going to pip Leclerc. I really do. I think he has got the mentality and he's got that. Leclerc is very good at that kind of running his own race in fourth kind mm. of style. I think Sainz actually has the ability to give that kind of like push to the front runners. And he was very aggressive off the start. He nailed it. And I would not want to be kind of trying to get past him at the start of that race if I was Hamilton and Perez. He's in such an annoying spot for them because, like we saw last week, you do not want to get stuck uh, with some back markers because this is one of the shortest laps we've got. Yep. It is such a short lap, so you will be overlapping, uh, overtaking cars constantly trying to get back and you'll just get stuck with that field spread and then you, your race is over because you just can't get back that difference. So he is going to be probably the biggest linchpin, I think, as to Perez and Hamilton actually being able to help their teammates ahead. 
yeah, it's it's incredibly important, of course, for Ferrari to maintain that further up the field action ahead of McLaren, as we said. Yeah. Now I'm sort of a little concerned about where McLaren finish up yeah. this year. Of course, we um, had some mega results, but Ferrari seem to be more consistent with both of their drivers, which is obviously what needs to happen. Uh, but interesting now then how Red Bull performed. Now, Campy, the the temperature for the sprint race was a little cooler. The tire, the um, track temperature was a little cooler because it was a little bit later in the day compared to what we will expect for the race, of course, with heavier fuel loads at the very beginning. Slightly warmer temperatures is predicted uh, for both track then, of course, and ambient temperature. For the race, we obviously now have a Mercedes at the very front and Lewis Hamilton in fifth. So there's a Ferrari smack bang tenth. in the middle of it. Uh, yes. So he's he's... A smack bang in the middle of it. What do you think they can do? I mean, Perez now really is, he needs to be on point, doesn't he, for how he performs for for the rest of this, uh, for the rest of this race, but also for the rest of this season to ensure that Max has a good chance at winning this championship. How do you play Perez for this race? Uh, absolute rear gunner. He has to sacrifice himself to hold up Lewis Hamilton in any way possible. I think what the idea will be, as Hamilton's moving up that pack, hopefully he loses that 10 to 15 seconds just because of the starting uh, position on the grid. Uh, but seeing that sprint race last night and what Lewis did, I mean, I don't think you can stop that train coming at the moment. I think he's going to be way too fast for everybody tonight, his teammate included. But um, they will try and get a pit stop ahead of him really early in the race and then just sacrifice Perez just to get in front of him on really fresh tyres and hold him at bay. Um, although I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, rear gunner, he, he's got to play the team role at the moment. I mean, Valtteri, I think he'll get the start and he'll get off. So he may just run the race at a pace, which is comfortable for him. I think the Mercedes is clearly the dominant car this mm. weekend. Mm. Um, I mean, half a second in qualifying, I mean, you know. It's pretty big. I, mean, I know it's one lap and Mercedes have been lacking, but Mercedes are pretty good. I think if they get this right tonight, I think I think Bottas will hold the hold the uh, <laughs> hold the pace of the race up so that Hamilton can keep within striking distance, and then let's hope you know safety car with twenty laps to go and Lewis just comes home like a freight train. I think that's what <laughs> they'll be planning, but everything. Every teammate, every decision is exp- expendable at the moment. It's all about yep. getting Lewis to the front and uh, it's all about keeping Lewis behind if you're Red Bull. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, it's a very good point. Let's look further down the field, though, for the sprint race. Uh, Tommy T, Kimi Raikkonen was bloody in there amongst it. It was Kimi and Alonso and Giovinazzi. Um, if you wanted a good way of definitely not driving for a team next year, it would be spinning off Kimi Raikkonen into turn one, which is exactly <laughs> what Giovinazzi did. Yep. It was a bit of a shame because uh, the stat is he's never started outside the top 10 here in Brazil. Yeah. Of course, he's been racing here for about 72 years. <laughs> uh, but but for, for Alfa Romeo, though, it has to be said that they were really in the good mix at least for yep. halfway through the race, uh, well, the qualifying period. Uh, and it, it's a shame to see Kimmy spin off and go all the way to the back. Yeah, I mean, Alonso managed to avoid all of that, which is just him being brilliant. But I, I don't know if I'd fully blame Giovinazzi. He was pretty alongside and Kimmy kind of came to switch back pretty hard. It was the slightest of touches in the wrong spot and he just spun. But classic Kimmy actually managed to save it, but the damage was done. He'd lost places, so it was what it was. But, yeah, it, it's not really what you want, whether it's your fault or not from Giovinazzi. Like, it's your, mm-hmm. it's 
crime in in a team stuff, which is not what we want. Not we, so good. to be honest, he's he's done for, isn't he? Yeah, it's pretty inevitable. Regardless of that, he was he was already on the out, from what we understand. Uh, that is pretty much sewn up with with Joe coming in next year. Which is a shame. It is a shame. Yeah. Uh, and look, and to defend Giovinazzi a little bit too, when he looked to his right, it was Fernando Alonso there. Yeah. And Nando got sandwiched by two alphas. But again, just an absolutely mega move, Campy, of Kimmy around the very outside who made it stick. And uh, if it wasn't for that wheel contact uh, or the tyre contact, I should say, he would have stayed up in those positions, could have been fighting around that sort of 11th, 12th position. Um, but Fernando Alonso, Campy, though, is just a wily old dog, isn't he? It's a shame <laughs> that his teammate finished ahead of him in eights because I think the drive really belonged to him in that team for this uh, for this qualifying. Yep. I think he's uh, – well, we know how good he is. We know what – we hope comes to him next year. Uh, I mean, he's a way better driver than Ocon, but hey, Ocon is in F one for a reason because he's he's very capable race winner. Uh, race winners, sure. Stefan Ocon. There should be an asterisk next to those sort of <laughs> race winners. Seriously, <laughs> for Hulkenberg yeah. to never have had a podium, let alone oh, a win, insane, and for Ocon it? to have that, uh, he would have just ghastly. been like, "Screw this! This sucks! I'm out." Uh, yeah, look. Uh, Alonso, he'll be fine. Uh, he's looking forward to next year, and I think that's what all these guys are really looking forward yep. to. So, agree with you there. The other person I want to talk about, Campy, is your man in the bin, fresh from the bin, Pierre Gasly, who uh, qualified incredibly well. Yep. Uh, he was in fourth. I mean, that Honda Power unit doing good things, but just got a terrible start. Uh, and then ended up in seventh, uh, which was a bit of a shame, to be perfectly honest, in terms of how it came. But just watching uh, Hamilton's overtake on him with his fresh power unit and DRS wide open, it was like he was standing still. Uh, What do you think he can do, though, from the bin in seventh this weekend? Mm -hmm. Do you think he can potentially hold up Hamilton, given the fact that it's going to be a slightly heavier car with a fuller fuel load? Nope. Absolutely okay, not. good. Jeez, I'm glad I asked that question <laughs> to you. <laughs> well, I mean, look, the kid's good. He's shown some pace. He's the lead driver in that team, and he's getting good results. Um, unfortunately, he was so bad in the top team that that's going to taint his whole career. Um, well, hey, what, Tommy what, T. What do you want me to say about the guy? Is he going to hold Hamilton up? Him. Is he going to hey, hold Tommy Hamilton T. up? Absolutely not. Hamilton is going to come like a freight train tonight. And I'm, mate, I'm so looking forward to it. I could watch that sprint race in Hamilton on board the whole time, 10 times over today. That was an absolute masterclass in doing what he had to do to win a world championship. And I don't think we've seen a drive like that in 24 laps anywhere in a very, very long time. So he's a star. The reason why I asked. That is a social breakout right there, James. <laughs> Mark that one down. The reason, the reason, yeah, you're not wrong. The reason no, it's why something I asked. to get excited about. Uh, is because uh, in 2019, that's exactly what he did, and he held on to get across the line ahead of him. Anyway, exactly. I mean, what would yeah, I know? It was a, I, I knew what you were doing, James. Thank you, Sorry. Tommy. Uh, <laughs> Should have yeah. asked me. When he hunkered down in the car, exactly. just to make sure he was He should never have been there in the first place. <laughs> Since when am I the bloody historian of F1 as well, yeah, man? That's I your know. job. Oh, if I care about Gasly, there should be an asterisk <laughs> next to those sort of results. <laughs> How many asterisks are you giving out today? Jeez. Uh, at least I'm grumpy. My uncle just said 
Me. My uncle just sent me a photo of an Irish flag too, cheeky brick. So <laughs> did he send a photo of you so we could actually have your face on this live stream? Because at the moment it's just Tommy T and I nodding whilst you're talking is all well, I can see. Look, unfortunately, like technology, I boil this nice stuff because you guys tell me to. <laughs> And it's it's just, our fault now, James. Uh, yeah, I was just, waiting for it. Sent it up the creek since I've uh, tried to do it, so unfortunately. <laughs> and Apple, I can't even get an extra bloody USB-C point. <laughs> what a nightmare. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, no, the iPad doesn't have another story. <laughs> 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 What do you want me to do? Oh, <laughs> all right. Let's let's talk about uh, Hamilton and we'll wrap this one up. Uh, look, mega from him um, in terms of performances, Tommy T up there yeah. with Le- LeBron James, right? Yeah, oh, for sure on par with LeBron yeah. and everything he's doing. What is he for from like 15? <laughs> he did not choke last night like LeBron yeah. does consistently. <laughs> This is just my favourite part of the moment. Mark, Mark hey, <laughs> me and you are going to absolutely – we're going to square Tommy up when we have beers next year. We're going to drop him together. This is this is what I, Mark K said in the Discord from earlier. Lewis hasn't choked as hard as LeBron did in 2011. So there you go. You guys are on the same page already, Campy. You guys are yeah. on the, you're the same person, I think. Same person. I think that's a different side of the Discord political name. spectrum. Yes, Mark right. doesn't oh. exist. It's just Campy's <laughs> – Campy's troll account. Yeah, Campy <laughs> podcasting about basketball. Anyway, Lewis Love Hamilton, it. Tommy T, let's talk about it because 20th to 5th, regardless of how much power that you have, I mean, the similar power units that uh, were ahead of him in DR, who was able to defend against him in Monza for a race win, uh, yeah. let alone him sort of around that 10th position letting him through, It's it was a bloody masterclass, was as Campy that- said. That move on Norris, was it Norris, I think, yep. into, oh, that was outstanding. He was nowhere near that. That was such late breaking. That was incredible. That was the move of of the race, not race, whatever the hell it was. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he was on. Can be so right. Like off the start, was it two or three positions? He was up to 14th, I think, like almost yep. instantly. He was absolutely flying. And he kind of got stuck in a little bit of traffic for, what, a moment there. But then mm. who, who was it? There was someone in particular was slowing him down and then cleared them and then he was off. He was off. Um, yeah, they were, it was interesting to talk um, to hear Brundle talk about how he was learning his way through that last corner, was it, onto yes. the straight, yep. rather than trying to stay so close, leaving some space to avoid the turbulence and yep. then gaining through the corner and keeping the momentum going. Like for a seven-time world champion to still be learning as he's going and adapting that quickly, this is why this guy is the best we've ever seen and he is the LeBron James of <laughs> F1. <laughs> Campy, just to pick up on what Tommy T was saying there, coming out of the second to last corner, which effectively is the last corner at the moment with the uh, the cars yeah. the way they are, um, he also drove that differently with the McLarens that he did with any other car. He put his front left on the inside of the curb to get a slightly different line out. I mean, regardless of how much power he has extra and all of the cheating allegations, all the other nonsense, the way that he was driving was, and look, this is not a Hamilton fan podcast at all. It's not. No. In fact, it's the opposite most of the time. <laughs> but you got to take your hat off to him oh. with how he was driving that, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Look, the guy writes these stories and, you know, he's the main he's the main character in them all the time. So, geez, I'm just getting the absolute piss taken out of me at the moment. I can't even keep a straight face. <laughs> Hamilton is a superstar. I've said everything I need to say about him in this episode. He'll come like a freight train tonight and he, I don't think he'll lose. I think he, 
something's going to go his way late, and he's just going to come home super strong, get the win. Max will finish in fifth or sixth, somewhere in that vicinity. Um, Whoa, fifth or sixth? going on there? How's second? he doing that? Really? Yeah, I, I look, I just think there's a bit more to play out in this championship. And this, I mean, when, when is we, Ocon going to hit him as a backmarker again when, or something? When everything <laughs> is against... When everything is against Lewis Hamilton and his back's against the wall, this is what he does. He comes out and shows utter domination, and that's what we've seen. So, Yeah, it's good to watch. As I said earlier on at the very top of the podcast, Tommy T, I'm here for it. Let's make sure this championship stays alive all the way through to the end, and then Max Verstappen can put one on his car next year and have all the merchandise. <laughs> He's already said he wants it. it, doesn't he? Jeez, he just, you know, Cheesy. and what the other thing that it was of note when he was at the uh, end of the press conference after sprint qualifying is like, well, if it's not this year, it's next year. They're all old and going to retire anyway. So at some point, I'm going <laughs> to be the best. Duds. Okay. Love it. Good. Don't love back, it. please. Uh, yeah. All right, Campy, what are we What are we watching for in the race tomorrow morning at four o'clock Australian uh, Eastern time? Danny Rick needs to get a start. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's probably helpful for yeah, all 20 usually. of them. <laughs> Look, for my enjoyment of the sport at the moment, he needs to get a start because I'm starting to get real frustrated seeing Danny Rick down the back. Yes. Uh, especially when Lando's a bit further up. Uh, Lando will crash out. That's what we'll uh, he'll have an incident that one. <laughs> on will he Verst- take out Max, maybe? Icon of Verstappen will actually punch on this time around. <laughs> uh, but... Look, for me, I think whoever whoever comes away with the championship lead tonight, in my mind, has got two hands on the uh, on the championship. We go to the Middle East and we should never be going back to the Middle East for races other than the start of the year. So this is the spiritual end of the championship for me. And uh, if Max- So that's it. Whoever's winning at the end of this race, that's it for you. The championship's over. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> Tommy T, what do you reckon? No, I reckon Max has got it. I reckon it will be the other two Mercs on the podium, though. Um. Yeah, I think Max will get Bottas off the start and then maintain from there. I think it's going to be on Perez to do a job to make sure that Lewis doesn't get up there too quickly. But I do think it will be Max and then the two Mercs. Probably they'll switch him so Bottas in third. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, look, either way, it's going to be a bloody good time. Um, to see how Hamilton gets through the pack, starting from 10th, as Campy said. Yeah. Um, it's He's got Vettel, Ocon, Gasly, Leclerc, Norris, Perez, signs between him and Max Verstappen. We know the Ferrari is doing pretty well in terms of holding cars up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they perform probably on the medium a uh, yellow stripe tire, which I imagine they'll put on. Uh, Campy, do you think it's a one-stop race for for tomorrow morning? I think it is. I think two-stop could work though. Keep your eye. It's pretty close in the race sim. So uh, if something happens, two-stop it is. All to play for. It's good. As I said, it's great, in fact, that the championship is still going, even if it is the spiritual home here in Interlagos. Well, a massive thank you to you, both of you lads. Uh, Campy, well done on persevering through your technical issues (laughs) as well with no sleep. And a massive thank you to you for listening and watching this podcast. We bloody love doing what we're doing. Uh, And it's been interesting, can I just say, looking across the podcast landscape through Reddit on Formula One, and uh, there's been a lot of people becoming very dissatisfied with some longer-term podcasts going on, especially one out of the United States. Uh, We don't really have that. We have an amazing community that gets around, supports us, us, um, and is just constantly positive. But uh, if you think we can do stuff better, please, 
please also reach out to us. Send us a DM on Instagram. Either one of uh, us will read it. It'll probably be Lewis, who's doing an amazing job at holding together uh, socials for the moment. And a massive thank you to him and shout out to him too. Now, don't forget, if you want to watch the race live, there will be some people who will be doing that as well. I will not be one of them. You can (laughs) join those people, though, on our Discord server. The link is in the description below if you're listening or watching. Please also don't forget on YouTube, if you're watching along, to leave the video a like and a comment and play the algorithm as best as we can. Uh, And don't forget to update your fantasy team name ahead of the race tomorrow. Well, lads, that's it. We'll see you tomorrow for our full race review of the Brazilian Grand Prix. If I look uh, at the YouTube picture myself, what can I? What is that blue thing camping on top of your wardrobe to your left? Oh, can you see that? Yep, that's my roller. <laughs> that's my roller. Well, well done on uh, on stretching and rolling. Um, I'm going to move this way so you can't see it. Well, that's the uh, that's the junk thing above my cupboard up there. So, well, you just moving without moving the camera is <laughs> that's not how that works. <laughs> Podcast Network.